Hello and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Woods. This week, again, joined as announced by Fabio Fernandez, your favorite co-host uh, of all time, with uh, his uh, favorite, with all of your favorite uh, uh, Portuguese language podcast, uh, Liberdade para Escolera. Probably mispronouncing that, Fabio. How's it going? Hi, Bill. Always a pleasure to be here, and you pronounce it perfectly. Uh, of course I didn't, but you were very nice. <laughs> um, this is the episode of January 19, 2023, and episode 100 of the Consumer Podcast. 100 episode. Could you believe that they would bear with me for 100 episodes, Fabio? Yay! Congratulations, Bill. Um, yeah, it was ranked one of the best European podcasts about politics last year, so uh, I, I do think so. <laughs> I, I, I do I do appreciate that uh, for the listeners. Uh, I do appreciate all of you subscribing on all the different podcast platforms. Rate if you can. Uh, recommend it to a friend. You can make a donation on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate in uh, fiat or cryptocurrency if you want to buy us a coffee for our efforts. Um, so as you know, I mean, this podcast is not uh, uh, sponsored by anything. You never hear any ads, any uh, Products that we'll mention in this uh, episode is, uh, I mean, if they want to give us money, I'd, I'd definitely take it. But uh, none of this is sponsored, so if we recommend things, it's purely based on our own preferences. So uh, let's actually talk about products, right? So there was the um, uh, there was a big conference on new consumer products, right? And it's called the CES. So that's the Consumer Electronics uh, Show or something. So Fabio, you've actually looked into this. And um, and uh, I wanted to ask you, because you've already covered this on your podcast, so um, let's go through a few of these uh, new innovations. What is in store for consumers uh, in, the, in the coming year? Yeah, absolutely. So the CS, as you said, is the Consumer Electronics Show. It happens every year in Las Vegas. It's the most weighted electronic show of the world and uh, the most anticipated. And this year... It didn't disappoint. I mean, the last two years, because of COVID, it wasn't the regular CES event. So people and journalists, they were all excited to be back in Las Vegas for the CES. And we have a, a, a few announcements in terms of what consumers can expect for this year for technological uh, innovation, new products. Of course, uh, some of the products announced were just uh, tease. Uh, they don't have exactly the, the prototypes. They don't have like the final uh, version of the, the product yet. And some of them are just like visions for the future, especially with uh, new cars. And we're going to talk about that. But uh, we can start maybe talking about uh, TVs. So uh, there were uh, this big... Um, question the past two years about HDMI 2.1, which is a little bit specific, but consumers wanted to have this type of entrance, this type of connection on their TVs. They were not available. Uh, some TVs had that. Uh, it was basically because of the disruption of COVID. But this uh, problem, if consumers that are aware of this issue, uh, they can finally relax because this is, will be available in most TVs, especially top-end ones uh, this year. Also, 4K TVs, they are getting uh, thinner. They are getting brighter so for so you, you for you to have an, an idea samsung announced a new tv or a new uh, panel that is 2000 uh nits of brightness this is double what uh samsung announced last year in the same event so uh we don't see a lot of innovations in terms of tvs getting very different from what they are right now but they are getting uh smaller increments in terms of uh, getting smaller and then getting more brightness and being more uh efficient in terms of energy so we have a little uh advancement in, in that field uh the disappointment is that 8k 8k tvs uh are still uh 
uh, in a long distance uh, to be released. And we had some 8K TVs uh, during the event, but they are probably not going to be in consumer households uh, in 2023. But if you're looking for a new 4K TV, I think this is the year to get uh, the best that, that most companies has to offer. Wow. I mean, I think in the 8K realm, I think I don't even know if many of the streaming services would even have compatibility with that sort of standard. Also, what I think is amazing to me is the the prices of TVs. I mean, it used to be that buying a TV was a was a very expensive thing. I mean, we just finished the fifth season of The Crown, and that show also mentions that um, Queen Elizabeth was actually the first one to have a, a nationally broadcasted ceremony for the for her coronation. Well, I think her wedding, like any of those, it's something, something like that. And um, but back then, most people couldn't watch it because nobody really had a TV. But TVs were available in the 1930s, um, and uh, and ultimately, um, this has gone. This is, I mean, we really democratized that that product. I mean, most people um, have uh, have a flat screen uh, smart TV at this point. They're, they're quite available, uh, and 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 the innovation in that sector is is huge, and has sort of also moved together with the availability of streaming i mean the, those two services need each other you need a perf- performing tv um a set for you to be able to stream all these shows at high data levels um so it's quite impressive how far we've come already yes exactly and tvs i i in, the, in europe at least uh, we don't change tvs as often as we people do in the us uh, so american consumers are more excited about new tvs every year than we are but uh, nevertheless if you're thinking about changing your tv 2023 might be the year to do so yeah and so what what else is there so we, we talked about tvs uh you mentioned cars i'm not sure when we're going to get to cars but I'm, I'm i'm curious what what else did you see uh has been released at uh, at ces yeah next i want to talk about smartphones because uh some in kind of innovation always uh is presented during the ces so we know that apple samsung google they have their own shows they have their own uh, schedule when they are going to release new products during the year usually uh, apple is in september when they allows the new iPhone. So the CS is not the place for consumers to see new smartphones being launched, but maybe new technologies that can eventually be implemented in some new smartphones uh, in the future. And one concept that was presented was by Samsung, which they are calling Display Flex Hybrid, which is basically uh, one of their foldable displays. But besides only folding in the middle, you can also extend on the side to make it even bigger uh, if you want to watch some movie uh, to have additional functionalities so foldable displays is something that consumers might see especially in 2023 and that technology getting better and better and i was very excited to see that because it's a very different product uh, another thing that it's coming for Android users, so uh, Apple announced in the end of ne- uh, last year, I think in September, that they will have now uh, iPhones working with satellite communication when you don't have your regular network. So you can make an SOS call or something similar to that, or, or even send an SMS in using the satellite uh, emergency system. Now that will also be available to Android users with Qualcomm, because Qualcomm is the main producer of ships. They are making that available for their top-notch, top-of-the-line uh, the products. So all the, the products that carry their latest chip will also be compatible with this new technology they are calling um, uh, Qualcomm Satellite. So this is very good news also for Android phones. I 
Kindle that we use, iPhone, and we talked about Apple many times here on the show. So I was excited about that uh, when they launched in September. And now I think that Android users can also be excited about this uh, because it's it's a very good technology, especially if you're into hiking. Uh, I know that you like some, some of those kind of uh, activities outside, Bill. Uh, so yeah, if you go hiking with your Android phone now, probably in 2023, we will also have uh, access to this SOS system. I think it's quite impressive how the smartphone industry is in the process of phasing out satellite telephones, which I'm pretty sure is an industry of its own that will now be challenged by what everyone will have in, the, in, in their pockets in the future. Um, I had something on these foldable phones. I'm a bit skeptical. I've never quite understood to what extent they're supposed to be, um, uh, I mean, user-friendly because that fold in the middle never quite goes away and i'm not sure how the enjoyable the experience i don't even know anyone who has one of these i know samsung has a a a, a, a um what i think even two versions of that phone that uh, i've never really seen anyone use uh is do you think this is something that is here to stay or could this be um sort of in line with what we saw the pre-smartphone era there were a lot of phones with all type of flip mechanisms none of which really caught on um what do you think is this here to stay i think the foldable phones make my nerd side uh be very happy about it. Uh, I think I, I like to see those innovations because we grow up. So I, especially me, because you're a little bit younger than me. But uh, when uh, phones in the early twenties, they were like, as you said, foldable, and they have all those different shapes. And every time they were like uh, crazy uh, new invention or crazy new shape or foldable type of keyboard or something and we don't see that anymore and I, I think that smartphones they kind of look the same if you look at every smartphone out there they, they have the same like bezel-less uh, screen and they have only uh just one screen and uh, three cameras now. So they, they are basically the same thing from every manufacturer. And I like to see the foldable phones are a little bit of a different concept and something that makes me excited about the future of uh, smartphones in general. I think there's a lot to be improved yet. So if you, uh, I never had one and I, I know maybe one or two people that do have that phone. Uh, it's a bit thick. Uh, so it's very thick in terms of uh, dimension. So at, at the point where um, that technology will improve and we can have maybe a thinner phone that it's more convenient, more portable, I think that might be the case where uh, foldable phones are going to be uh, trendy and everybody's going to get one. Uh, I don't think we are at this point yet, but it's nice to see, nice to see in, during CES some of those foldable uh, phones and technologies and see what's uh, possible to do and what we might expect as consumers. And, and the fascinating thing with those shows is that this is not necessarily an indicator of what will catch on. It's ultimately consumers who decide what they prefer and industry will sort of exactly. follow that, uh, sort of launching prototypes and kind of see what sticks. Um, anything else from CES that you think uh, is particularly interesting to our audience? Yeah, we're getting to the cars pretty soon. But before, I wanted to talk about laptops because uh, the, the news that I saw during CES that were more exciting to me was were coming from Intel and AMD, which are uh, chip producers, not actually companies that make uh, laptops or computers, but the decisions that Intel and AMD take in terms of where they are taking their chips in 2023 is going to be uh, 
afterwards in many other uh, laptops and computers in the market. Uh, and Intel last year had a problem with uh, energy efficiency. So after Apple released their M1 chip and our M2 chips, uh, and probably they're going to release a new one this year, they're getting faster and more energy efficient. And Intel had a big problem last year that their chips uh, were far from being efficient in terms of energy. And AMD had a problem with delivering ships. So they uh, had, I think, still some COVID problem with uh, deliveries. Uh, so those two big manufacturers, they are trying to compete with Apple nowadays. They released their new generation of chips and they look pretty good. So uh, this is the... Um, 13th generation of Intel chips, and now they announced the first chip, their first CPU with 24 cores for laptop, and it's, they say it's the most powerful laptop chip yet, uh, not only from them, from the entire market. I think this is going to change once Apple releases their new chip later this year, but uh, the new i9 technology from Intel, it's something to look uh, for during during this year, and also AMD, they released their new chip, uh, also uh, with amazing performance performance. Uh, so I think they are back on track, especially thinking about performance and efficiency, because when you're well, using a laptop, you want the, your battery to last. Uh, so you need a, a chip that is powerful enough to do what you're doing, but also that will keep uh, your battery, your laptop working for longer. And that's the mix that Apple, I think, got it right. And Intel and AMD, they were still trying to figure it out. And I think this year they did. The, the, the battle for the best laptop is still on. And I also read that Apple has been thinking about integrating a touchscreen into uh, the MacBook eventually. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I know some people use the, the I think it's both, both Microsoft and Google make, uh, uh, make laptops that have that functionality. Um, my, my take on this has been either you use an iPad or I mean, use a tablet, phone or a laptop. I think combining both doesn't quite work for me. Um, but interesting how, you know, industry copies off of each, off of each other there uh, on, on, that, on that level. Anyway, let's get to cars. What, we, what do we have there? Yeah, so uh, for this year, CES has been known for the past two or three years now to be a big place to announce uh, electric vehicles or at least technology on electric vehicles. So it's a consumer electronics show. So it's mixing a little bit the automobile uh, sector with electronics, and they are using this fair to get to the uh, younger consumer that might be looking for something that is more electronic, and, and ele electric vehicles certainly fall in this category. So uh, my favorite announcement was from BMW. BMW is coming with this new concept which is called the uh, uh, VD uh, this is the name of the car. It's a mix of an uh, Alexa assistant uh, with a car and uh, metaverse. So basically, so for you to have an idea, uh, the car can change colors because it's made of e-ink technology and you can change the color and it's 200 and something, 240 different panels uh, in the whole car and you can change the color in different segments and make it brighter or uh, anyway, you can do any color you wow. want in your car and you can even have it very colorful if you want to. And this is their new e-ink technology, which is very exciting uh, to look in the future for cars coming with this technology. Volkswagen also has this new technology in some of the cars they are announcing. The i7 is an example of that. But the VD is also um, has a new, uh, the concept that they showed at least, it's very interesting because you can create your own avatar and your avatar is actually um, projected on the window 
uh, on on the side. So basically, when you're driving, people cannot see the driver, but they can see the avatar of the person driving. And you can do any avatar you want. So they're trying to mix wow, like this metaverse. <laughs> yeah, so very. Um, it, it, and the thing is, uh, it's so futuristic, but at the same time, the most pl plausible uh, concept that BMW has shown in the past years. Uh, so that then made me also very excited about the future of cars in that sense. And one last announcement during CS4 cars is the joint venture between Sony and Honda. They are launching a new car, a new car brand called Afila. And uh, we don't know much about how it, the car is going to look or uh, what it's going to be about. But basically, uh, Sony and uh, Honda, they are coming together with a new joint venture, a new brand. Uh, they, are, they said they're going to offer subscription services with this new car brand. So uh, it's something else to, to, uh, to take a look and, and keep your eyes on. Uh, wow. I mean, I guess we'll we'll have to give it time until Apple also jumps on the connected car mobility. The car wagon. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I think I think I think many of those companies are really branching out now that all of our items become connected. Everything from fridges to TVs and uh, and uh, you know even people's uh, suitcases are now connected to things. So um, I mean, there's 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 a lot of synergies there where where. Um, you know, where, where different companies team up. And it's very exciting to see what they come up with. So very cool, very cool overview. The future has a lot to bring in consumer electronics. And consumer electronics extends now to, to cars as well. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of features there, very interesting. Um, so uh, that, that was very interesting. And for all of those listeners who want to find out more, I'm pretty sure a swift Google search will give you all the imagery that we can't provide on an audio podcast uh, and a lot of the video material available online, I'm sure. Um, so let's jump into the, the, the other topic that I wanted to talk about. Uh, which is uh, which is Spotify and so music streaming and we've definitely come a long way in that field. Um, but uh, but but a lot of people have now uh, been watching the playlist on Netflix. I know you haven't watched it yet. I do recommend the show. It's a Swedish show uh, since Spotify is a Swedish uh, company and there's a there's a there's a lot of competition. Uh, in that field, but Spotify by, by far the market leader in the field of music streaming. Uh, music streaming has come a long way, all the way from uh, Pirate Bay. Uh, different countries had had different uh, uh, different uh, services, but Pirate Bay was by far one of the largest uh, quote unquote illicit streaming services for music in the early two thousands, and that has really swift uh, switched uh, over to streaming, where people actually pay subscriptions to stream music. Now that data volumes are available to us and and you know easily uh, easily uh, attainable for many people, um, but uh, but the criticism in the Netflix show of Spotify was also clear. Uh, the argument being that Spotify does not pay its creators enough, um, and, uh, and 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 sort of trying to give perspective on how the artists actually end up surviving on that. What I also found very interesting was that the show on Netflix was able to provide a different perspectives on that because what does happen is that many of these artists have labels and those labels are actually the ones that give them a commission uh, through uh, what they make on Spotify. So the fact that some artists uh, don't get a lot of revenue from Spotify is actually because the, the labels have a contract that don't allow them to get as much. Uh, what I think is just so fascinating 
with this is that um, um, with this disruption, of course, came new problems and sort of our perspective on who gets to cash in on these uh, on that on 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 sort of those revenues. Uh, Spotify says that I think it's about seventy percent of its of its revenues goes back to creators. Well, that includes the labels labels as well. Um, I just hope we don't get to a point where somebody thinks we need legislation about this because the last uh, uh, episode, uh, and I don't want to spoil this for the audience who hasn't watched the show, but the last episode sort of alludes to political action in that field. And I'm not sure uh, the politicians are really going to get this right Um, because ultimately, as much as some people might criticize streaming services when it comes to uh, music streaming, uh, they have solved a problem that the music industry was dealing with. Uh, At a certain moment in time, people think they just didn't have to pay at all for music. And of course, that was not a sustainable system for the industry. And technology has sort of overcome that problem. Um, Fabio, what do, what do you think? Also, what do you? How do you listen to your music? Are you old school and get your vinyls, or uh, do you do you have one of those uh, music streaming platforms? No, I actually use Spotify. Uh, even for my podcast consumption, I like to use uh, Spotify for both of those things, uh, and I think it's a great tool. Uh, of course, there are some problems in the way that uh, content creators, musicians, the, they are paid on those platforms, on the streaming platforms. Uh, but one thing that they, those platforms also did was to put new names into the into the game and connect users and consumers with new uh, musicians, new artists, uh, and open up a possibility of uh, discovering new uh uh, music that you, you probably wouldn't be able to uh, if they had to go with the traditional back uh, like CDs, vinyl, or whatever the the the, the previous system uh, was made of. Um, but I also remember that uh, that that is not a new problem because uh, Jay Z uh, when he launched a title, uh, I think almost ten years ago, I, I guess or even more. Uh, he did so because he was not happy with the share of the the, the money that those streaming services were making. Uh, after that, they changed a little bit title to be more focused on high quality music with uh, better. Uh, I mean, the files are are bigger, better. Uh, it's for the audio file type of consumer. Uh, but basically, if you listen to your music on title, your artist is getting more money than they are uh, just streaming on other platform uh, over other streaming services and we can also remember that uh if you want to support your artist uh your favorite band your favorite favorite musician you can also buy tickets to their shows you can buy their merch you can buy their cds their i mean uh if you like physical things but you can also buy their albums uh on itunes or whatever and have that uh with you forever and you don't need a subscription for any uh streaming platform so there are ways to support your favorite artists and uh for sure I think, uh, as you said already, uh, getting politicians into this, it's the worst idea. Yeah, I wouldn't like a sort of a system where politicians in the European Parliament would, would decide on how much a stream is worth. Here's from an article that I found online. Spotify also got bashed for its low payouts per stream. Um, every month, uh, Spotify takes in a certain amount of money. Uh, they divvy off 70% of the money received among all those artists who have been streamed that month uh, so that 70 percent number one is actually correct i'm glad i remember that uh, the amount can vary from artist to artist depending on the kind of deal they have with the service spotify claims they pay out between um what is this 
dollars per stream but some indie artists have said they make less than that the system in place puts indie labels and artists at a disadvantage claims this article major record labels own stock in spotify and they can profit from that spotify also pays to license the music of major labels major label artists something they don't do for indies of course, I mean that. That to me sounds like a criticism of the the way labels uh, operated even pre Spotify in the first place. Um, and also, what you said is that it gives um, it gives artists the outlet in order to gain popularity and make their margins somewhere else. I don't think CD sales or vinyl sales were necessarily where uh, artists made their margins in the first place. That was still the record labels because they put actually the, the effort into for the distribution. I think where the, where the artists make money is indeed um, off of, uh, you know, I think the biggest margins is probably on merch. Uh, merch is definitely a very important factor that people underestimate. Uh, also, what is interesting here is that, you know, it sort of dem- democratized it to the extent that the, if you listen to your uh, favorite Spotify uh, artist uh, to, to his or her songs multiple times, you actually end up making them more money uh, because every stream counts individually and it's not per user, but actually per stream. So I think that's very interesting. Um, obviously, uh, obviously, Spotify will have to hold the line there because there's uh, there are uh, competitors on the market. Uh, Deezer is sort of an old, uh, long-standing uh, competitor there from France and uh, for the European users. And then uh, you mentioned Title, and also there is uh, Apple Music trying to get in the game. Apple Music still not quite on the level that they probably would want to be. Um, I think what Apple really kind of missed was the shift because Apple was early in the music game with iTunes where you could buy songs individually. I remember when a song cost 99 cents, like 99 euro cents for one song. If you compare that, I mean, I don't know how much my Spotify subscription is exactly, but I mean, if you have a family plan, it's very cheap if you compare that to what you used to pay. But yeah, Apple kind of missed that that shift to immediately go to an Apple Music streaming platform, they've kind of they kind of new in the game and they struggle with keeping up with Spotify. Spotify, Spotify, by the way, being, I think of all the tech giants that people mentioned, I think uh, I think it's the only European player that really gets the big numbers on the international scale, um, which is probably why the European Union hasn't gotten involved as much as they probably otherwise would have been. If this was a completely Americanized market, I'm pretty sure the EU would already be uh, on their case. Um, I think, I mean, at this point, I don't really know what more innovation can actually exist in the sphere of music streaming. Uh, As long as the the methods of streaming doesn't change, it's all about the algorithm. And something else I wanted to also mention is that the discovery of artists... I think this is something that Spotify does particularly well because of the algorithm, which is something that is mentioned quite significantly in the show that Spotify, when it started out, spent uh, a lot of money on figuring out the best algorithm to suggest music to you that you might like. And it is sort of indiscriminate on how, what type of artist it suggests. When I go to my Discover Weekly on Spotify, I do have a very large variety of also very unknown artists uh, presented to me and the different playlists they make really give a chance to a lot of um, to a lot of artists to be discovered and once you discover a new artist you can go down the rabbit hole and discover their YouTube page and their music videos and all the other ways that they generate revenue so I think it's a very exciting technology that um, we sort of underappreciate how available music now is you know back 
back when you know even i mean i know you said you said you're older than me but i still remember just you know it was just cds there was no other way to do this at one point you had the availability of downloading your music onto a usb stick and connecting that to the cars that had that availability but you know that's that was complicated. It was a lot of work or burning your own CDs that had ads in them and all these things. It's, we've come a long way. It's, it's, it's quite incredible. Yeah, and looking uh, into the future, I agree with you. I think the way that this uh, entire sector can uh, evolve a little bit more, I think it's going to come with AI. Uh, so improving the algorithm to give the best user experience for consumers, for listeners, uh, suggest good content. And Spotify, I think, has one thing also uh, in their advantage because they were the first to see the true value of podcasting. And the deal they did with Joe Rogan, I mean, I think it's one of the best deals that they could have done uh, to really being the game of, of uh, podcast because podcasting is increasing every year. Um, it was impossible with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts to find any podcast, any suggestion, any recommendation of things to listen in terms of podcasts. Uh, Spotify was the first one to really come with good content good editorial for this those are the the podcasts that we are recommending those are good ones coming with search where you could search for terms and and come like a list of podcasts that are talking about the issue that you want to listen to and now of course apple and google they catch up and they also offer those those things uh, apple tr is trying to now pass uh spotify coming with like special people doing playlists uh, uh this kind of editorial work to uh maybe uh keep you in in the platform they are also offering a bigger package because you know apple is all about the ecosystem so if you buy the subscription to apple uh tv you can also have our apple uh audio our apple music you can also have like apple fitness and everything else uh so uh if you are in the Apple ecosystem, you might be locked in or cancel your other subscriptions because you can now pay for just one plan and have everything that Apple is offering. Uh, so this is, I think, is going to change a little bit the market as well. But for sure, Spotify is, uh, I think, a few years ahead uh, their competitors yet. Uh, but let's see how it's going to be uh, in the future. Yeah, what you mentioned on podcasts is quite interesting. My, I mean, personally, I, I absolutely agree. I think uh, Spotify has really upgraded podcasts to a level that is quite uh, phenomenal. I'm a big fan of those story podcasts with seasons where it's it's not an ongoing one, such as the one you're listening to right now, but uh, it's um, it's sort of a finished story. Um, it, 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 it also creates like audio book versions of telling stories with very high performing audio, which sort of underlines that, you know, radio was never dead. It just needed a new medium and people need a medium that is listen only uh, because they're doing things at the same time, whether they're cycling, walking, uh, taking the bus, taking the train, uh, driving their cars, flying somewhere. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities where people just want to listen. I'm not one of the people that can listen to a podcast on its own. I need sort of an activity at the same time. And I think many of the listeners are probably doing something right now, whether it's ironing their shirts, uh, doing the For wash sure, or, yes. uh, uh, or cleaning, cleaning the house. Um, there's a lot of things to be done at the same time. My user experience with Spotify in terms of podcast has been great in the curation sense. I think the usability, I'm still not a great fan because my offline experience with Spotify has not been perfect. Uh, it sometimes doesn't load. Uh, if I forgot to open the app before uh, putting my, my phone into airplane mode before taking a flight, for instance, that is something that, that, that Apple does better. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Apple Podcasts, um, 
just getting recommendations was so hard. Like I still ended up Googling sort of the best podcast that week in order to sort of type it into the search bar. And, um, and, and yeah, so that, that, is, that is really changing. I know our colleague Yalosarski at Consumer Choice Radio, he's a bit skeptical on sort of the uh, TV streamification of podcasts. In his view, podcasts always should have been available um, on different platforms and should not be originals. And that is something that Spot- Spotify is doing right now. Spotify originals that are only available there. You mentioned the Joe Rogan experience. I don't know, Spotify paid him, was it $100 million, $200 million, something like that, uh, in order to get him exclusively on the Spotify uh, platform. And that is something I think Yael is a bit skeptical about, so, so, so those type of solutions. But absolutely, it's elevated podcasts to a level it's never been at before and it's such a growing industry you know, every company every tv program wants to have a podcast that sort of accompanies what they already offer um and it's just such a great medium which is you know why we've already already been doing 100 episodes of this one and just keeping people in the yeah. loop yeah and what's coming up is also video podcasts so now you can have for example joe rogan is a video format also in spotify and now uh, apple is also offering that and increasing the number of people that can uh, put video into their podcast format so uh that's something that is going also to shake the market of youtube and those other uh creators streaming platforms where people put out content now they can also do that on spotify and and apple so uh, i see more competition uh and that's good because we have more content for people and we know that people are so different uh the things that i listen to it's probably things that you will never listen to and the other way around and some shows we probably listen uh be- we, we do the listen to the same shows because they are great and they are uh they have no no market limit uh but yeah i'm, I'm excited about uh how uh, things are going to be in the future but yeah, about the the way that they are paid now. They, now they need to find a way to pay creators like this podcast or smaller podcasts, and how to uh, keep them into into their platforms. Uh, because the the biggest struggle now for smaller creators is, of course, to be paid. If you're an artist, uh, of course, you have your record label, and you probably are not making as much money as would like. Uh, but there's also a lot of work on putting shows like this together. Uh, the, all the other uh, examples that you you already. Said. Uh, and yeah and, and how they are going to uh, make money the way that youtube created a whole ecosystem where people can put out content get paid for it and and so forth yeah and this podcast also available as are all of our other podcasts at the consumer choice center on spotify daniel Eck, the CEO of Spotify. If you're listening, uh, you can follow Fabio's advice and maybe also make a donation on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate uh, if you so choose to do so. We're a big fan of your product, as you can as you can see, we're already customers. Uh, so in any case, uh, Fabio, this was very interesting to get sort of a uh, you know very tech-focused, electronics-focused and streaming-focused uh, episode out here. Um, because what you mentioned earlier, laptop uh, battery capacity, this is where we need to end the show because I'm on about 8% on my on my MacBook, which has given up on me and I don't have my charger close by. So in any case, this is where we end the show. Uh, remind people, for those who speak uh, Portuguese, where they can find more of your content. Yeah, you can go to YouTube or any uh, podcast streaming service and look for Liberdade para Escolher, which is our uh, the first Portuguese podcast about uh, liberty and freedom for consumers to choose. Uh, or you can follow me also on De Faria e Silva, um, all, most of the social media networks, but it's also linked in the description to this show. 
Thanks so much, Fabio, for co-hosting the Consumer Podcast uh, with us uh, this uh, this week. Um, and um, for those of the listeners who've been listening last week, uh, you know I'll be off next week because, um, because well, I'm currently in Davos for the World Economic Forum and won't have time to record. Uh, maybe Yal is bringing, uh, bringing a microphone, uh, so... Uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll record something that will be broadcast late. In any case, thank you so much for listening, uh, and uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Bye bye. You have-